You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I discuss the current state of the U.S. economy and how current economic conditions might affect the outdoor industry. What would a default on the national debt mean for outdoor? How do the unemployment rate, labor force participation rate, and inflation rates affect spending in the outdoor markets? How is consumer sentiment affecting the U.S. economy? And how many puns can we fit into a single episode? Let's get into it. Let's talk about um, what's going on in the economy. I've got a lot to say about this, and I'm sure you do too. I, I Yeah, I, I have a few nuggets to add. I'm excited. It, this is a cool conversation. It's There's a lot going on. It's mid-May right now when we're recording this. This will come out. I don't know. It might come out in like three or four days. It may. Uh, yeah. I love that. I hope pun. so. It may. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got? Thanks you go first. You start us off, Kelly. Where, what's happening uh, right now in the U.S. economy that's going to affect our ability to, to sell stuff in the outdoor rec economy? Uh, I, actually, I'm about to put out a um, my Q2 state of the market. And what I'm seeing is some softness in demand driven by uh, continued inflation. And inflation yeah. continues to, it, it's not where it was last June. We're a far cry from 9.1%. Um, but we're still, we're still right around, you know, basically 5.4%. And, you know, we're looking at- I thought at, it was 4.9. Let me look. Sorry, let's see. Inch past nine. This is perfect gotcha journalism. My it number, is. which I came with, is 4.9. I, you know <laughs> what I did? You know what I did in this is that is I looked at the CPI and I looked at what was driving it mm. because, you know, unless you unless you extract oil and gas, it, it becomes a little weird. So I included yeah, oil true. and gas in mine. Um, yeah. And I, and looking at it, I've got uh, the highest inflation rate right now is in motor vehicle maintenance and repair at 13.3%. So um, April to April, up mm-hmm. 13.3%. Co- that's how much more it costs to fix your car. Yeah. Um, rent, rent of primary residence up 8.1% in the past year. Used cars yeah. and trucks up 5.4%. And then I looked at, okay, I said, okay, well, is there anything in here that might indicate what's going on in outdoor? And apparel, inflation rate for apparel, uh, April to April is 3.6%. Yeah. Um, and they do have- For outdoor have, or for, for all apparel? All apparel. And okay. for rec- yeah. they actually do have a recreation category in which they include basically mm. all the stuff that they put in, they, they consider in the BEA report um, okay. on economic impact in the outdoors. And, and outdoor recreation or recreation, as they define it, is up 5%. Interesting. April, April to April. So that said, gasoline down 20.2 April to April. Um, mm. Fuel oil down 12.6% April to April. Yeah. What, one of the things that surprised me about this, and I think this actually does play a, play a role in, in outdoor spending, um, food away from home up 10.4% April to April. Oh, wow. Yeah. Food at yeah. home up 7.7%. Well, I, I know that one. I feel that one. Yeah, you let and me, me both, brother. Yeah, let me react to something you said a second ago. Um, spending on automobiles is up, both in terms of maintenance, um, and you said the cost of vehicles was up, right? 
cost of use yeah, vehicles. The, yeah, this is all this is all from the consumer price index. So this is yeah. as, as you know. I mean, I don't want to mansplain to you. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. We, we, but but I want to like break it down for our audience, many of whom they're they're not like digging into the BEA numbers all the time. But yeah, we're seeing increased uh, uh, prices of vehicles which typically means folks are more likely to spend on bikes because once you hit a certain threshold, you go, you know what? I'm just going to ride my bike instead. Yeah, but maybe I'll buy housing, an e-bike. That's it. Yeah, replacing car trips with electric bicycle trips is a huge argument for why why electric bicycles are a solution. Um, spending on housing is a big contributing factor to spending on bikes. As spending on housing goes up, spending on bikes goes way down. So there's like mixed signals right here that I'm hearing for bike. When, when gas prices go down and we're able to spend less money on putting fuel in our vehicles, we're not as worried about getting out of that vehicle and getting onto a bike. So the, you know, as, as the bike industry is heading towards summer and our like peak season, we're wondering how many bikes we're going to sell. And um, a, a couple of these signals are giving us mixed results. It, it, yeah, it's hard I, to interpret what that means. It gets worse because those are, <laughs> Thanks, you know, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, these are not the only metrics that uh, include a mixed bag. Um, yeah. Consi- consider for a moment, consider for a moment that although, you know, we're paying more for everything um, and our wages did go up a bit, n- definitely did not keep pace with inflation, um, mm-hmm. that that unemployment is still skimming along at historic lows. Yeah. Yeah. April unemployment rate was 3.4%, which is unbelievably low. In fact, the record is... 2.5% and that they hit that in the fifties. So <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want a job, you can get a job for the most part. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's difficult for the business environment because, you know, an outdoor, we, it, it, we used to use sort of, if you can work in the outdoor industry, isn't that great for you because you get to work outdoors. Um, the myth of that starts to hit home when you realize that we're probably on the, right side of the scale in terms of competitiveness of compensation and benefits. But beyond that, what it does mean is that despite inflation, despite um, a reduction in disposable income, that nobody's really afraid they're not going to have a source of income, right? Yeah. People are pretty confident that that they're going to be able to have a job and find a job no matter what. I think that we're seeing a mixed bag across the economy because there's a, a bit of confidence that comes from feeling secure that you can you can have um gainful employment in no right. matter what like even if you get laid off you're in tech you're going to find a job and you're going to be able to at least you know cover your requisite needs totally so so tell me for a second what the unemployment rate measures the unemployment rate measures the number of people who are actively trying to find a job over the past 12 months so there are a lot of people that's quit looking for a job Mm-hmm. That aren't per- that they're called non-participants in the yeah. Bureau of Labor Statistics I'm, data. I'm so I'm not. Somewhere. I know you are. They're not. This is the usual gotcha that I get with unemployment. No, no, and, no, no. We could we could look at participation too. We could look at employment participation, go. which is about sixty-one percent right now. Basically, it's, it's almost sixty-three. Yeah, the labor force participation rate is out of everyone of working age in the U.S. Who all is in the labor force? Um, employed or unemployed, like who who's in that smaller pool of um, being measured for the unemployment rate, and that's up since the pandemic, right? Like it it crashed during the pandemic as everything was shifting. There's huge shocks to the U.S. economy. Um, since then, it's been steadily climbing, and yeah, sixty three percent of 
working age folks in the U.S. are in the labor force right now, and that unemployment rate is low. Um, just just to sort of like add on to what you were saying, um, it, it's even a little bit better than than the way that you set it up, you know, because our labor force participation rate is high. Yeah, no, I, I like, I, I'm agreeing with you and adding to it. I know. I like when you pile on. <laughs> That's awesome. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that said, consumer sentiment bottomed out in April. You know, the yeah. University of Michigan has a has um, a normalized measurement of consumer. It's it's consumer sentiment, consumer confidence. You you can you can frame it a lot of different ways, but it's the you know just sort of the the general general vibe that people have about the economy and perception has bottomed out. It's very weird. And, you know, there's a lot going, there's a lot to be said about consumer perception because if enough consumers perceive that there's a recession, if, if enough of them can be convinced there's a recession, they start behaving in a way that actually brings on a recession. Yeah. We manifest yeah. it. Yeah. Interesting, right? You're the economist. I'm sure you have a lot to say about this. No, you hit the nail on the head. It, it's there's a lot of indicators that folks will react to that you know when a recession is coming, we change our behavior. But if we think a recession is coming and we change our behavior preemptively, we will we will bring that recession on ourselves. It's it's such a funny self fulfilling prophecy and, and manifestation of the situation that we're trying to prepare for, um, and then we end up creating it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting how that works. Um, perception is really, really important in economics, and um, yeah, you know, they're if they're only we were rational, kind of, and there are influence peddlers out there that that would benefit from a recession that I think are are potentially you know pushing that narrative um, because it works people up and actually gets them to behave in a way that actually that that could cause a recession in the economy. Um, technically yeah, right we now we need a spinoff. We need a spinoff of this podcast for all of our conspiracy theories. We need, we need <laughs> in inside the outdoors, like off the record, <laughs> all of the conspiracy theories that it's mostly Kelly, all the conspiracy theories that Kelly has. I just like to dish them out. We could also do drunk outdoors, which I think would be hilarious, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. We can, we can take a little portable setup down to the, uh, the the bar at the base of the ski mountain or the brewery at the at the trailhead or whatever it is. Honestly, you know, I think people food should, away from home. Just, you just told us what food away from home costs. I don't know if there will be anyone there. They didn't measure alcohol. I was disappointed. I want to know oh, how much more people are paying. Yeah, there's a lot of alcohol consumption. I think it would be a really interesting variable in the index. You get your best bang for your buck on that beer that you have right after. The, the exercise or the activity, you know, if you go your 60 mile bike ride or something, you have that beer, it, it's, it might as well be too, just because of your activity level, but yeah, um, agree. That's why they didn't measure it. It's difficult to measure. It is very the, difficult. The to impact measure. cost benefit. <laughs> well, let's talk about consumer perception again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's hey, so we, we were talking about, I, I, I took us off track with the conspiracy theory, but yeah, the consumer sentiment and how it's driving the activity in the economy right now. Keep going. Yeah. And so I was talking about people that might have a, an interest in in driving that narrative. And, you know, we we have to talk about uh, the potential of the U.S. defaulting on its debt and what that could do, um, because because that ha would have a very significant impact on on our industry and virtually everybody in the world, frankly. So, you know, th but there would be some pretty significant short term 
impacts, including, you know, some pretty significantly reduced consumer spending, supply chain disruptions. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, you know, that's sort of a, I'm, I think it's adding to the negative, the negative, um, push on consumer sentiment because we're having to listen to this narrative over and over and over again. And, you know, the potential of this actually happening, if it actually happens, then we've got a real economic mess that we're going to have to deal with. And could you talk about that a little bit? Honestly, probably no. I could. I don't know if I can. All right. Let me talk about some short-term impacts. I mean, reduced consumer spending, you know, um, default on the debt, is definitely going to lead to economic uncertainty and decreased consumer confidence. I mean, we're already seeing that. Um, and that would result in a decline in discretionary spending, including purchases related outdoor, period. Consumers may prioritize essential goods and services over non-essential items like tents. That's a problem. There could be supply chain disruptions in the short term. Um, default could lead to disruptions in the global financial market, including increased borrowing costs. That's going to impede the smooth functioning of supply chains, potentially causing delays in the delivery of raw materials and finished goods. Not good. We just got over the bullwhip effect this the, of, of the pandemic. I mean, come on. Financial market volatility, obviously. Long-term effects, economic recession. U.S. debt default would have far-reaching consequences on the overall economy. It could trigger a recession, likely to trigger a recession. It will, it will jack up borrowing costs. Nobody's going to be able to afford to borrow money. That's a big problem in the market, and it's a big problem for consumers. Um, market contraction, so we're going to see um, our market get smaller, or we're going to, we may experience some deflation. Nobody's going to be able to make money. Deflation, um, yeah. Yeah. And government spending cuts. Uh, U.S. debt default will result in significant government spending cuts to manage the debt crisis. Um, it's going to impact funding for parks, recreational facilities, public lands, and may indirectly affect the outdoor and recreation industry in, in many other ways, including effects on ability to travel and um, ability to spend freely in the market. Yeah, yeah. So it so sucks. Two categories we think about durable goods and the, the trip expenditures, getting where you want to go to do your thing and, and buying the things that help you do your thing. Yeah. I mean, you're you're not going to be able to buy things um, and you're not going to be maybe not be able to move around. Um, I mean, just think about uh, top to bottom. It's a very, very scary, very, very scary idea that we could do this and that they're even playing with this. It's like, you know, somebody's somebody's like putting their hand over a nuclear, the nuclear red button and saying, yeah. well, you know. It's 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 pretty frustrating, um, but it is it is a significant threat to our economy, and just the fear of it is is already having impacts on our economy. Just so the that's, fear of it is already having impacts. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Thanks for bringing the mood down, Kelly. Anytime, man. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> there's but there's but wait, there's more. Like a Ginsu knife commercial. Yeah. Does it get better? It does get better. I've already cut oh, through good. the can and the tomato. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just looking at looking at the Institute for Supply Management, I I actually have always used their data. It's been many years of using their data because they report on things like production, new orders, supply deliveries, and inventories. And what they do is they collect that data from a, a panel of businesses that actually a fairly robust panel of businesses who talk about, you know, basically it's, they don't, they don't necessarily have to share their specific data. They answer, okay, is how, is your production um, higher, the same or lower than it was, yeah. uh, right? 
last month, then last month, and then provide that data on a trended basis. And it looks like um, in terms of production and new orders that that the uh, the data indicate that it's becoming more positive, that the more oh, reporting higher new orders and more reporting higher production um, than, than lower in April of 2023. And that's up from January of 2023, in which um, the the scale was tipped the other way. There are a lot more reporting lower new orders and lower production mm. than mm-hmm. we're seeing today. So so we are seeing business trending in the right direction. This is mostly manufacturing, right? This is yeah. this is not service. Um, supplier deliveries uh, pretty pretty stable. Seventy four percent said that said that they were about the same. Eighteen percent says they were faster, which is oh, great. Right. Yes, faster, only. Yeah. Only 8% said that those deliveries were slower than they were last month. And th- so that's trending in the right direction as well. This yeah. surprised me. Inventories. Because, you know, just we've been skipping along. I know inventories are stuffed in outdoor. But um, in April of 23, um, overall, according to ISM, inventories, uh, about 22.5% of businesses were reporting lower inventories than they had in March and 15% were reporting higher inventories than they had in March. So that that's actually tipped to lower. So that could be an indication that in in other markets that they're yeah. they're actually moving through that inventory like consumer packaged goods is probably a good example mm-hmm. of where uh, you know the, where that data is 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 pushing in the right direction because that's yeah. I mean they don't they don't necessarily have the where our cycles are a little bit slower. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> that's good. I like it. We're chock full of puns today. On that front, I think that, that that data actually is, is you know, and it's not sentimental. It's not consumer sentiment. Mm-hmm. This isn't feelings. Yeah. This is what's actually happening in the market, <laughs> which which is I'm way more comfortable with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the mathematician's not comfortable with feelings. Got it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's just it. what's frustrating about feelings is that people can be misinformed and their feelings still matter. Yes. I hate that. Yeah. That's too funny. They're not, they're not rational. I Mathematics know. is rational. Would it be easy if they were rational? Uh, so, God. so we just be... to talk about bike inventories for a second. I'll I'll link a story in here in uh, bicycle retailer <laughs> and industry news about our wholesale inventory, which is like you know one step further upstream from the retail inventory, which we know dealers have more product now than they did last year and the year before, obviously. But the wholesale inventory picture is. Um, showing a, a, a market where we have way more product than we need. And so I, um, it, interesting that you brought up the, the ISM data. I think for, for bikes specifically, we're still dealing with the, like the crack of the bullwhip right now where uh, yeah, like a, a lot of product has landed in the last six months and a lot of demand has gone away in the last six months. And it's just you know, like, as is the case with any bullwhip effect, it's impossible to, um, to completely avoid it. It's just about mitigating it as much as you can. And, um, and then once, once you're in it, just working through it as quick as you can to, to, to right size everything. And uh, we can, I, I'll share a link in the episode description to the beer simulator game where, where you receive information and orders for beers. And then you like, you place an order at your wholesaler and then you see how long manufacturing takes and, and you sort of play through this, um, this bullwhip effect and you you know the answer is don't overorder demand's going to cool don't don't screw this up and and be stuck with this inventory glut at the end of it and everyone's going to end up with the inventory glut at the end of the simulator it's it's we're destined to fail but um 
which is to say that you know there's there's no blame or anything. It's just the way that the economy works. There's there's a distortion of information as it goes up the supply chain, and then there's an overreaction in product delivery uh, at a time when there's there's not a lot of demand for that product. So anyway, uh, yeah, but bike inventories right now are pretty high. Yeah, I want to just I want to interject a little comment about the beer simulator. The supply, the the bullwhip beer simulator. I wasted a whole bunch of time because you send that to me to curse you, Patrick it's, Hogan. It's, it's fun, isn't it? I mean, it's fun. It's fun for us and it's fun for the folks who are going to listen to this podcast. It's no fun for yeah. anyone else, but I, I think no. it's interesting. You know, it, it's um, it 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 helps us understand why we're seeing what we're seeing right now. You know, it it it's a lot less of like you're you're less likely to point the finger and go, well, how in the world could you make these decisions in this order that resulted in this situation when you yourself are put in a, in a position to make decisions in this little simulator and you go, oh, shoot. Okay. Now I get it. I understand how, how this plays out and I understand what it's going to, how it's going to end up, you know, where, where we're going to be with our product at, at the end of this bullwhip effect. And anyway, it, it'll be fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a hobby, sometimes I play with derivatives because I'm a total nerd. But this is basically it's you know it's set up so that it's a derivative. You've got different levers you can push, and I, I challenge all of you to try and avoid the 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 end result of the bulb effect. It's the the tool is set up like real life. You're going to learn a lot, and it it did help answer my question from the other day. I asked Patrick, you know, why is it that we know what to expect? And we've talked about it as it was happening, you know, and we talked yeah. about the fact that having having a clear view of 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 what this is likely to result in, can we use, you know, good information to mitigate that? And, you know, the answer has kind of been no. And so when I was playing with the. the I'm, hang on, I'm going to push back. Mitigate, yes. Eliminate, no. You can, all, we, can we can mitigate That's it. That's a good, best that, we can, that is yeah, true. Yeah, there that there is, is hope. Point. I don't want to say there's no hope. There is hope. We can mitigate it. We can reduce the, the negative impacts of it, but we can't totally avoid the bullwhip effect. So I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, I cut you off, but I, I wanted to make sure that we no, tagged that. I'm totally glad you did because I misspoke. I was just, I'm just frustrated because I can't beat the fucking game. Right. So if <laughs> you can't, I, yeah, you can't beat it. I, I challenge everybody out there. And, and that's just how I approach it. I, mean, I can't yeah. help it. But I challenge everybody out there to play with this, play with the beer simulator. See if you can beat it. And if you can, I'll I'll give you like a hundred bucks if you can prove to me that you beat it. Hey Davis that at challenge outdoor industry association.com. That is that is correct. I and I will make good on that. I'll, I'll I will definitely make good of that. 50, 50. Right on. Yeah. Well, so so I had one more uh, data point that I wanted to bring up here too, as as we're talking about the bullwhip bull effect, and um, you know ha- how the the retail market might look in the next few years after we chew through a huge inventory in the bike space, and and I know that other industries have this too, but just for bike right now, um, what's going to happen to the dealer? The there's an investment bank UBS that did this study. I'll, I'll link to this. I'm counting. I think we have like eight links we're going to put in this episode description. But they 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 did a study and determined that by the end of 2027, some 50,000 U.S. retail stores across across all industries, some 50,000 U.S. retail stores are likely to close just because yeah. we're shifting our our um, purchases online, we're spending less, and 
where uh, the, if there's no value proposition to go into a brick and mortar retail store, that retail store is not going to be there to meet you. Right. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, yeah, the retail stores are just facing a lot of issues across the, the economy and being overburdened with inventory uh, is, is just one of the most uh, challenging issues that they can face as their, their capital, their physical space is all tied up in a product that's, that's not moving and folks are making their purchases online. They're, they're going to different places. They're not coming into the store. If you don't have a way to get folks in the store, it's going to be really tough to keep playing ball in the next five years. True. Consumer engagement is going to be critically important and, and gaining it's going to be critically important and, and exercising any kind of strategic advantage you have with consumer engagement in particular yeah. is going to be key to, to retail success. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to my bike shop and my, and my actually my triathlon shop and what we did um, even back, you know, back in the day, we'll say, I don't want to date myself too much. And we yeah, didn't yeah, have, yeah. we did, we didn't have pressure from direct to consumer um, and just general online sales at that time, but the game is still the same. And the strategic advantage of, of a, a specialty retailer is that consumer engagement. Like where the rubber meets the road. That's where I go to talk about what trails are rideable and what I'm going to do. And, you know, yes, I, I can, it's just more information, but it's the community that's built around my bike shop that, that I, I truly enjoy and will keep me going back to that shop forever. Uh, I think, again, we disguised the three main points that we bring up in every episode. Know your customer, reduce your costs, try to increase your profits. Yeah. Gather the best information you possibly can. Yeah. And um, play an online simulator with beer. I think that's going to be the key. (laughs) 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 Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.